Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss the combination. And the Extra Point is good. Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It is Friday. It is October 13th. That's a Friday, Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, not your normal meat market. Craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing for your four-legged friends. They're located 2390 North Thomas School in Chandler. Uh, we will have the breakdown of college football and the NFL ahead. We'll also have a $100 gift certificate available for you if you are today's lucky caller. When you are today's lucky caller, come with your weekend bet. We put $5 on it collectively root for it to be a winner at season's end our winnings are going to charity and we're looking to go seven and oh on the winter weekend bets so uh exciting things and plenty of options ahead that we will dive into but first let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question for the arizona cardinals they're on the road facing the rams who do you have sat, uh sunday in los angeles cardinals plus seven or rams minus seven and the rams are sitting it's 60% of the vote. Cardinals trailing at 40%. Yeah, this game, when there's a look ahead line, which is roughly 10 days ago now, the Cardinals were only, you know, three and a half, four and a half point underdogs at that point. Obviously, after the games from last Sunday, when the Cardinals showed zero resistance and didn't know who Jamar Chase was, and uh, the Rams kind of hung, even though I really don't think that they had any chance to win that game against the Eagles last week. But after those events, uh, the, the, earlier this week, it was you know as low as six, six and a half, and it seems to have you know kind of, kind of gotten stuck on seven here for two or three days running now. So I'm not even sure that uh, you know, seven's a key number, obviously. So I don't know. I think this is. I don't think it's probably going to stay at seven at this point. But the fact that you know, it was three and a half, four in the opening number ten days ago, and it's gotten to this point in a you know less than you know ten day stretch is kind of. Uh, I wouldn't say alarming. I understand it, but it is much different than what the original intention was from the oddmakers. We will answer that question in its entirety around 1130 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060, there's a big afternoon showdown in Seattle between Oregon and Washington, the battle of unbeatens in the Pac-12. So who do you have, Oregon plus three or UW minus three? The masses are on Oregon's side of things to the tune of 83.3% of the vote. UW sitting at 16.7%. You know, I've actually heard it mentioned by, I think, a couple of sharp, uh, you know, handicappers, college football handicappers and so forth, that this would be much more to Washington's advantage if this were a night game. I wonder if those people have ever been to Seattle. I've been to one game again, Husky Stadium and way back in the day, though, when they were unbelievably good. This was in the early 90s when Steve Entman and Washington actually I thought were the best team in the country that year and they won I think it was a co-national championship and they had split polls and all that crap but that's the loudest stadium I have ever been in 
college were pro, and that was like a day game. I don't know if it was a 1230 or it was a day game. So this idea that, oh, they have a much more of an advantage at night, I don't think that's changed in, you know, literally 30 years. But you know, so I don't quite understand that logic. Ooh, they needed this to be a night game. I'd like them more if it were a night game. I'm not buying that at all. I actually, I'll get to this. I already mentioned it in the last hour when Matt asked about this game specifically. I like Oregon to win this game. I'm not completely crazy about it. And we'll explain that in more detail in uh, the in the extra point here. Well, not only does it have quite a crowd advantage, though, it also has probably one of the best sceneries out of a stadium in college football. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I didn't have the finances or probably don't have the finances now to, like, rent a boat and just, you know, do, do the boat up to the stadium thing, which seems like a cool thing to do. But that was, a, like I said, that, it's many years ago, but that's the loudest stadium I've ever been in. We will officially answer that question. We'll also have a feeling dive into it as well as part of the college portion of uh, Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits with the weekend specials, 45-day dry-age choice beef talk rib steaks at $24.99 a pound, prime pork country-style ribs at $3.99 a pound, and fresh all-natural jumbo party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. Uh, before we get into everything football-related, I'll also make mention here that we'll have have Kyle uh, Soapy of Pro Football Network set to join us around 11.15 to chat NFL props. He's graciously filling in for Brian Blewis today, uh, so we'll talk with him around 11.15. But before we get into mostly football for today, I, I want to go back to last night uh, with the Major League Baseball playoffs. The Phillies topping the Braves yesterday 3-1. to one. For the Braves, Spencer Strider, five and two-thirds innings, seven hits, three runs, three walks, seven strikeouts, and three home runs given up. Ranger Suarez for the Phillies, uh, five innings, three hits, one run, two strikeouts, and one home run given up. The Braves, who had quite an historic offense in the regular season, ended up just having five hits in Thursday's elimination game. Meanwhile, the Phillies had ten hits, including two home runs by Nick Castellanos and one home run by Trey Turner. Yeah, you mentioned the, the Braves, the historical offense. That, to me, is the biggest surprise of this story, series. They scored eight runs in the four games. Spencer Strider was baseball's lone 20-game winner. He allowed three solos. He only gave up four runs and two starts in this series, and the Braves lost both those starts because they didn't have uh, any offense whatsoever. Castellanos, two home runs, uh, first guy to ever have consecutive multi-home run games in the postseason in back-to-back days. Uh, Ranger Suarez, who has a really good history against Atlanta, uh, that continued last night. Uh, they really, this game was, this, this is the, I think this was the best playoff game of the offseason so far. Um, you know, there were some hairy moments in this game, whether it be bottom of the seventh inning when uh, you know, with the bases loaded hit the ball 400 feet, the deepest part of the ballpark in Philadelphia, and Rojas made a catch up against the wall. That obviously would have made a difference had he not caught that ball. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the Braves had base runners on in the last couple of innings, and I thought that Rob Thompson kind of got away with uh, murder, so to speak, baseball-related, uh, by using his uh, high-leverage relievers or highest-leverage relievers early in the game. He got away with it. Uh, had they lost this game, that would have been the headline that he used his relievers too soon. 
You know, someone asked me this question uh, yesterday, which is the bigger surprise of these playoffs, the uh, Dodgers and what happened to them or the Braves and what happened to them? And my answer was the Braves. I'm curious what your opinion is. I don't think there's any doubt the Braves. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, we knew their pitching staff was a mess, unfortunately. Yeah, Max Freed was okay, but you know, he had the blister and he was on the injured list in the season, and he wasn't great. Uh, then also, you've got Charlie Morton, who they sure could have used in this series, but he was on the list and was not eligible to pitch in this series. Uh, so, you know, they didn't have the pitching. But the fact that they scored just eight runs in four games, and granted, Philadelphia especially, you know, their two stud starting pitchers, Wheeler and, and uh, obviously Aaron Nola, uh, those guys are tremendous. But the fact that the Braves, you know, really they had eight runs in four games, would they have like four of those in like three innings? in the one game that they won. Uh, so we know now, uh, you know, just a couple of different things here. The ALCS gets started in Houston on Sunday, October 15th. That is going to be the Ranger, Rangers and the Astros. To be determined, starting pitcher for the Rangers, Justin Verlander slated to go for the Astros. Here, a couple of different notes. Uh, if the Rangers win, Bruce Bochy, like win the series, I should say, uh, Bruce Bochy would then make another World Series, and he would do so with three different teams that he's managed. Uh, as for Bochi and talking about potential players available for the series, he was talking about Matt Scherzer. He threw uh, 60 pitches on Wednesday, uh, yet teams don't have to be finalized for rosters until Sunday morning. So there's plenty of time to decide uh, if Max Scherzer will be on this playoff roster. Yeah, he was completely uncommittal. Apparently, uh, yeah, I don't know who got in to see this, but apparently he didn't look as good. Maybe they even said that. I didn't hear the whole thing with Bochi yesterday. I saw the one comment. He's not making uh, any kind of, uh, at least as of yesterday, not making a, a commitment that Scherzer would be on the play, on the on the division series. You know, the excuse me, the championship series roster. Uh, but apparently he didn't look as good, or there was more. There were a few questions that maybe that they didn't have when he threw a bullpen session. Uh, I forgot which game it was. He threw a bullpen session before one of the games against the Orioles. But maybe there there might have been something going on there that wasn't going on before, which was uh, disturbing, I guess, to some extent. Disturbing is maybe a strong word there. But it, it was there were more questions about watching him throw after yesterday than there were like three or four days ago. Over in the NLCS, it's the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. That series gets started Monday, 5.07 p.m. on TBS. Good news for the Diamondbacks, catcher Gabriel Moreno. Uh, Tori Lovello said that the x-rays came back negative, and so he's labeled currently now as day-to-day. -day. Obviously, he had to leave uh, that contest on Wednesday night after Chris Taylor's foul tip hit him on the hand. Uh, he hit 290 with seven home runs and 50 RBIs in 111 games this regular season season and then a surge in home runs three home runs in five games in the postseason for Moreno but overall you know how valuable is he as the primary catcher for this Diamondbacks club now, he's been really good and guy that I was really wrong about uh, at the start of the year if you remember correctly it was Madison Bumgarner that was the biggest advocate of uh, having we need Carson Kelly in here catching but out, Kelly was obviously out for a while and the you know, Bumgarner was gone, but you know, remember there were times this year where you know Merrill Kelly or Zach Gallen preferred fling it to somebody other than Marino. Uh, but you know that turned certainly turned around. Uh, you know, Marino uh, you know, tremendous at throwing runners out, 
sometimes not the greatest at blocking pitchers, uh, pitches, I should say. But he's gotten better in all every area. He's uh, been a clutch hitter. Uh, yeah, the fact that he hit that long home run to left center field uh, got my attention the other night because you know, I think a, a large majority of his hits have been to the right side of second base, which is good hitting. Uh, but that was the, the most stunning thing about the home run. Uh, whatever night that was, I don't even know what day. It's Friday right now. I do know. Wednesday. I know what, most, most of the time I know what day it is when it's a Friday a Saturday or Sunday, because <laughs> Friday's the end of our alleged work week. Saturday's college football and Sunday's the NFL. So I know what days we have on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The other days, I got no clue. Well, since it is Friday, you can pop on over to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Visit them online at vonhansensmeats.net. 45-day dry-aged choice beef tomahawk rib steaks at $24.99 a pound. Prime pork country-style ribs at $3.99 a pound. Fresh all-natural jumbo party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. They really do have everything you could possibly want over at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And it's time to dive into to the Friday spread college football portion of the games on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com at the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa. Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Ten twenty-one, right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports. Friday, October thirteenth, time Friday spread. Brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. As we dive into the college slate, I will briefly discuss this contest that is set for tonight with Stanford and Colorado. Stanford plus 11.5, Colorado minus 11.5, over-under sitting at 59.5. The game is set for tonight, as I mentioned, and at last look, Deion Sanders did say that Travis Hunter has a, quote, tremendous chance of returning tonight. So, uh, one, I I had to say that because I feel like Bob Tremendous is like one of your favorite words. Dion was using yeah. it there, so had to give that some that's love. Right. And then also, I have the same I have the same quote. Written. That's all I have for this whole game. Well, uh, that's not Stanford had the week off. Uh-huh. That's my Stanford note. And I, my Colorado note is that Travis Hunter quote tremendous chance to play according to Dion. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I mean, one, I just wanted to highlight that that it's good that Travis Hunter looks like he'll be getting yeah, back absolutely. out on the field. Other two things I have here, Stanford's defense is one of the worst on third down and creating pressure, so maybe Sidor Sanders could have a break from running for his life and being under siege often. Uh, and then also here, though, can Stanford effectively run the ball and control clock limiting possessions? Um, yeah, you would think. I mean, I'm not sure. I've got no idea. I'm not really – I'm sure – well, I'm not sure because – I'm not even positive I'm going to be watching this game. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. But uh, don't have too much interest in this game. By the way, uh, before we get rolling here with these games in the NFL, it's the you know, second weekend of you know, October or third weekend, I guess, technically. It's the second one, right? Yeah, second weekend of October. And uh, there is a lot of bad weather 
uh, in NFL and college games this weekend. Usually this doesn't happen till November. We could have some cold temperatures. We're going to have what looks like a really nasty night in South Bend. And some NFL games are going to also be affected weather on Sunday, so pay attention to that. That's a good point. Uh, moving on to Saturday here, we'll start with Syracuse and Florida State. Uh, this line has moved just a touch from early this morning to now. Syracuse plus 18.5, Florida State minus 18.5, over-under sitting at 55.5 from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It feels like it wasn't long ago that we were talking about Syracuse and uh, the role that they could play against Clemson, but now injuries have really started to pile up for Cuse. And then my question marks here for Florida State, can they get to a fast start? And I, I don't know if this this is appropriate to say not play down to an opponent yeah well even with the slow starts they've scored 30 or more in every game uh going back to the middle of last season i i don't, I don't care about the syracuse injuries i think we've now determined officially that they suck uh they're an average team at best they load up on a garbage schedule every september at least in the last two years and once they start playing legitimate teams they lose and often lose by a lot Arkansas and Alabama. Arkansas plus 20 and a half. Alabama minus 20 and a half. Over under sitting at 46 and a half. Arkansas, they're only two and four on the season. KJ Jefferson has been sacked 23 times this year. So can Bama's pressure get to him in this game? Also, I have a question. Is it concerning that Bama's run game has been kind of non existent so far this season? But it probably won't matter in this one. Actually, Arkansas's front seven might be the strength of their team, but uh, I think the biggest thing for uh, Alabama, this is a terrible scheduling spot for them after you know the couple of the games they've had here recently in the A&M game last week. I'm sure uh, Arkansas, uh, Alabama excuse me, is happy to be home. They had 14 penalties, including nine false start penalties at A&M last week, uh, so that's good. The biggest thing in this game, not necessarily this game, but the rest of the season – is that Alabama, which you know, looks like it might be pretty good after that early start, uh, Malachi Moore, who's a candidate to be the best defensive player in college football, uh, he had what looked like a nasty ankle injury last week and almost for sure is not going to be playing, at least in this game. Uh, and he, like I said, he's a tremendous player, a difference-making player uh, for Alabama and uh that's something to, you know, like I said, I don't think it's going to matter this week, but uh, something to pay attention to as the schedule continues here for Alabama. Kansas and Oklahoma State. Kansas minus three, Oklahoma State plus three, over under sitting at 55 and a half. Oklahoma State upset K-State last week at home, so can they do it again? I don't know if Jalen Daniels is playing for Kansas. If not, it's going to be backup quarterback Jason Bean. And not expect Daniels is not expected to play. That means he'd miss his third straight week. And Bean is an interception machine. Texas A&M and Tennessee. Texas A&M plus three. Tennessee minus three. Over under sitting at fifty four and a half. Uh, Jalen Wright has emerged for the Volunteers with at least one hundred and fifteen yards rushing in his last three games, averaging seven point one yards per carry. Texas A&M coming off of their loss to Bama. They have two losses on the season, so they can't really afford any more if they want to be in the conversation later on this season. Uh, the questions for me are: Is Tennessee Tennessee's past defense improved enough to slow down or just completely shut down Texas A&M. Max Johnson can slow down Texas A&M's offense, which he did last week. He put them in some terror. He made some awful decisions in that Alabama game last week. 
He should not be a starting quarterback on a you know, good team. I don't think a and is a particularly good team, though. Uh, they have one road win, by the way. Uh, no, that's wrong. Excuse me. They don't have a road win since zero, since 2021 in a true road setting. They won a couple neutral site games, but they haven't won a real road game since 2021. Also, uh, Tennessee hasn't lost a home game since 2021. Uh, they're coming off a bye, Tennessee. Actually, their defense, which I slammed all of last year, uh, much better so far this year. Not exactly against the best competition, which is, in fact, A&M might be the best offense that Tennessee's faced so far, and I'm not sure how A&M's offense is all that good. Uh, but uh, Tennessee's only allowed 4.4 yards per play and 17.8 yards, uh, 17.8 points per game. Uh, so they're better. Uh, actually like Tennessee in this game and uh, there's all kinds of numbers in this game just you know look if you have access to multiple sports books look around and kind of whichever side you want you can get a number that would probably best suit whatever side you want <laughs> we will officially provide an answer on this game around 11:30, but I thought there were plenty of worthy stats to get into for the Oregon and Washington contest Oregon plus three Washington minus three over under sitting at 66 and a half both teams are coming in undefeated both teams have seen renewed success with their new head coaches Dan Lanning for Oregon Kalen DeBoer for UW here so first on the Oregon side they rank first in rushing success rate and gain at least four yards on the ground per carry, 63% of their carries. Meanwhile, the UW defense is 50th in rushing success rate allowed. Oregon averages 5.7 yards to go on third down and converts 51% of the time. UW allows a third down conversion rate of 42.5%. Now let's flip this to the UW side of things here with the UW offense and Michael Penix Jr. Penix is only blitzed 21% of the time and he's completing 74% of his passes. Penix has plenty of people to distribute the ball to. The top three UW wide receivers each average at least 13.3 yards per target. And then not to be overshadowed is the run game for UW, which is third in rushing success rate. But they don't run it much, and they actually don't run it that well, quite frankly. I don't, you know, I don't under success rate and however that however that works. Uh, also, those numbers are great, but you know, any of these teams, either of these teams, played a really good defense so far. I don't think so. Uh, so I'm not sure what's going on here. And uh, I favored Oregon a little bit, and I uh, already mentioned this in the last hour when we uh, talked with Matt and Phoenix, but. Uh, I think that Oregon is a better team. Um, I think their defensive front is far better than Washington's. I don't think there's any argument about that whatsoever. Uh, the Washington pass defense is 94th in the country, and they almost have no pass rush. Uh, so I figure Oregon a little bit, a little concerned about the you know the road game and the fact that Oregon had one road game against a I think maybe a decent team, even though Texas Tech has been vastly disappointing. And they were actually somewhat lucky to win that game in Lubbock. Uh, and uh, playing in Lubbock is not easy, but playing in Seattle is tougher. But I still favor Oregon a little bit in this game. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, we'll find out. The first time they, these teams have playing for literally like 100 years. It's the first time they've ever played when they've both been in the top 10 ever, which surprised me. 
Kansas State and Texas Tech. Kansas State plus one and a half. Texas Tech minus one and a half. Over under sitting at 56 and a half. K-State now three and two and, and kind of hasn't lived up to expectations, but obviously they still have the potential and uh, the Big 12 in front of them. They're coming off, though, an upset loss to Oklahoma State. Texas Tech now on a two-game winning streak. Morton now the Tech quarterback along with Taj Brooks at running back who rushed for 170 yards last week. Yeah, um, I'm just going to make this really brief. I have no interest in this game. I think Kansas State's finished. Uh, that performance last Friday night against Oklahoma State was disgusting. It was bad. The you know, Oklahoma State did everything humanly possible to just hand Kansas State the game, and they couldn't do anything about it. And Texas Tech, I believe this is on their, they're on their third quarterback now. You know, Shuck from Phoenix was the original guy, and I can't remember the second guy was. Uh, to me, Texas Tech, and these are two of the most disappointing teams in college football this year, considering what I thought they were going to be before the season started. Locally, there's only one team playing. ASU is on a bye. The U of A is in Pullman taking on Washington State. U of A plus 7.5. WSU minus 7.5. Over-under sitting at 57.5. The game kicks off 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 networks. WSU returns home where they've had a lot of success so far this season. Uh, but quite possibly, UCLA's defense is good. So we got to factor that in. Cam Ward, he's still completing 69.1% of his uh, throws. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. So maybe that's where some of uh, the factoring in comes in for Cam Ward's play last week. Can U of A keep pace? Noah Fatita, he's been really good stepping in. 73.2% of completion percentage, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions. But it doesn't matter because Jaden Delora is the man. Um, he's going to be apparently the starting quarterback for the U of A. It's a revenge game for him. Remember, he played at Washington State and then transferred to the U of A. But uh, apparently uh, the uh, apparent latest Jed Fish bad decision, it's going to be Laura, who's the starting quarterback again. Uh, the Washington State-UCLA game last week was the absolute worst coach game I've seen in college football this year by Washington State and their entire staff. Offense, defense, everything. They did everything humanly possible that was just – everything was just wrong – and they didn't make any adjustments during the game. UCLA's defense, by the way, I think is very good. Uh, but it was just crazy. Uh, as Ted Robinson, who, who was you know, at that game last week, we had Ted on in the last segment. And Ted's going to be doing this game tomorrow, by the way, on Pac-12 Networks. Uh, he mentioned that basically UCLA just rushed three. And uh, what he didn't say that I'll add is that you know, Washington State never adjusted to that the entire game. They never did a damn thing about it. They're, they should, they're, they're a better team, but they, they just handed the game to UCLA on just complete inept coaching on in every facet of the game. Worst coach game I've seen in maybe NFL, for, definitely for college football, and I watch a billion games. This is the worst coach game I've seen this season. Well, I'm not sure how I can follow that up, but there were some coaching blunders last week. Miami plus three and a half, UNC minus three and a half, over under sitting at 56 and a half. Can Miami shake off what happened to them last week? Is UNC's defense improved enough? Miami has obviously been very efficient with the run game. Henry Paris Jr. averages 6.4 yards per game. Uh, this quarterback matchup, Drake May versus Tyler Van Dyke. It's no, there's no contest in that. I mean, Van Dyke's an interception machine, and I get lost in all the hoopla from the end of the game. Uh, you know, you know, you know, 
faux pas from uh, Miami is that Van Dyke threw three interceptions last week. Uh, he has uh, Miami has 25 turnovers in their last 11 games going back to last season. They had four last week. Uh, actually, excuse me, they had five last week, and three of those were Van Dyke turnovers. And uh, there's no player I've been more impressed with this year in college football, and I'm not exaggerating here at all, than Drake May, who I didn't understand the hype last year. He has completely sold me this season. Uh, he's 74% of his passes he's completed. And it's not like he's throwing four yard passes. I mean, he's chucking it all over the field. Uh, he's had two games over 400 yards so far. Uh, their defense, as you mentioned, seems to be a little bit better. They also now have Tez Walker back, uh, or not back, but he wasn't even eligible to play. The NCAA ruled last week that he can play. He played a little bit last week and had six catches. He's now have another week to practice because he wasn't even practicing before, according to the NCAA ruling. He couldn't practice until last week. I think North Carolina runs Miami off the field. It has nothing to do with the letdown factor or whatever from last week. Also, Miami has multiple defensive line injuries, which also, I don't think, got lost in the shuffle of all the end-of-the-game hype at the end of last week. The fact that they turned the ball over five times and their defensive line suffered two key injuries. That was all but forgotten by the end of the game. USC plus two and a half, Notre Dame minus two and a half, over under sitting at 60 and a half. Uh, despite unsure of how we feel about USC, their record still stands at six and zero. Oh. Offensively, they rank top five in points per drive and success rate. Question here, will Zachariah Branch be back from injury in this game? USC's defense, though, we know how bad it is. It ranks 73rd in points allowed per drive. So can Notre Dame take advantage of this and especially get their ground game going against USC's poor run defense? Notre Dame statistically has a good defense, but is that good enough to slow down USC's wide receivers? And Caleb Williams. Okay. I'll throw more conventional numbers out here. They're 112th in uh, points per game allowed, USC. They're last in the Pac-12 in run defense. They're last in the Pac-12 in pass defense. Uh, they also missed an incredible amount of tackles, especially in the secondary. They've allowed 38 plays of 20-plus yards this season, uh, which is amazing because they have not played a bunch of offenses that are dynamic, and they've still done that. The other problem, problem the, the other side of this, I have a problem with Notre Dame. They've played, this is their eighth game already this season. They don't have a bye until next week. And they look like a team that was completely out of gas last week. This is also their fourth consecutive primetime game, big time game, high profile game. Also, Sam Hartman the last three weeks has been bad. Uh, nowhere near what he was the first few weeks of the season when they were playing an inferior schedule. This is a huge game for Marcus Freeman, uh, who has not done well in the, quote, big games in his first two years as the coach. I don't think they're going to fire him, but uh, they might want to fire offensive coordinator Jared Parker. I have no idea what they're doing on offense. Uh, their play calling at the end of the game against Ohio State largely contributed to the Ohio State winning that game. Ohio State should have never even got the ball back for that last drive, but the play calling was atrocious. And then uh, I don't know what they were doing against uh, Louisville. They decided to chuck it all over the field against a Louisville team that has a pass rush and wasn't great against the run uh, before last week. And they, Notre Dame just looked like they were out of gas. 
And I don't know if uh, playing a night game in South Bend against USC just kind of, you know, they, they can refuel, uh, or so to speak, at that point. Uh, this is another one of these games that uh, occasionally mentioned and maybe mentioned too often here lately. No score would surprise me in this game. UCLA and Oregon State, UCLA plus three and a half, Oregon State minus three and a half, over under sitting at 54 and a half. Uh, which quarterback has a better game? Dante Moore on the road. DJU is at home. Uh, UCLA's defense, we touched on them a little bit earlier. They have been good. Can they slow down Oregon State's rushing game? Uh, does this one actually just kind of turn out to be high scoring, though? I doubt it because UCLA's defense, I think, is the best in the Pac-12. And I don't think that Dante Moore is any good. Uh, I think he's highly talented. He reminds me of Anthony. He's the uh, he's the college version of Anthony Richardson. Is He has the splash highlight film plays. But if you actually watch from start to finish of the games that he he's a quarterback, he's not good. Uh, and he shouldn't be good. He's, cons- he's young. He's inconsistent. Uh, he's had you know two road. He's played two games so far in Pac-12 play. He is 37 for 79. He's averaged less than seven yards per attempt. He's thrown two pick sixes, uh, one in the game at Utah, one in the game last week at home against Washington State, which should have lost in the game, but the Washington State coaching staff had no idea what the hell they were doing in that game. He's not good. Uh, and by the way, I stole those numbers uh, from David Kenyon, our frequent guest from Bleacher Report, because I, I knew they were bad, and then I was going to look them up, and then he did it for me. So I'm sure that he's accurate. Uh, I'm on Oregon State here, but I'm not necessarily for this game. I'm on Oregon State for the season, and I need them to win this game. Oregon State's won 15 of its last 16 games at home. The lone loss was last year against USC, and you can make an easy case that Oregon State should have actually won that game. DJU, a far better quarterback right now than Dante Morris. We will get into more Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits on the other side of the break. Dive into the NFL slate on Sunday. He is Bob Camp. I am Kayla Mortolaro with you here up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. More coming up after the break. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbooks. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Pay them a visit this weekend, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Get yourself all hyped and ready to go for the weekend slate of action. Continuing the Friday spread discussion and transitioning into the NFL games, let's get started with another London contest. It's the Ravens and the Titans over in the NFL. I do believe we talked about that earlier this week. Confirming what I thought is that uh, they are, in fact, playing uh, at the same stadium that the Bills and the Jaguars just played at. So we'll see Mm -hmm. if the field is any better than it was last week. Uh, When it comes to the Ravens, they are minus four. Titans plus four over under sitting at 41 and a half. 
logistically, the Ravens have been there all week. They left early on. The Titans were on a red eye on Thursday, so essentially taking the same route that the Bills did. We saw what happened when one team had been there, the other team had not. Uh, question here is, will the wide receivers keep dropping passes from Lamar? The Titans' defense has allowed the fourth most plays per drive at 6.4. And then also here, uh, the Titans to be bad on the road and good at home. That would be true. Uh, bad on U.S. soil. Let's see how they do in London soil, I guess. Uh, hopefully there's not that much soil because the field sucked last week, and I can't imagine it's going to be any better in one week after last week's game. Uh, Tennessee also, Jeffrey Simmons has missed practice time this week. And he's arguably the best defensive player in the league so far this year. And uh, he got nicked up last week and that he played, uh, kept playing. But uh, maybe that had something to do with the fact that they couldn't stop the Indianapolis rushing, uh, running, running game at all. Um, I, there's no question that Lamar was you know, basically, you know, the receivers hurt him a lot. But Lamar, this problem in the fourth quarter, it's been going on for how long has he been in the league? Four or five years? It's just atrocious. Uh, he is horrendous in the fourth quarter of games. Uh, and a uh, large chunk of his career, even games that they've won, uh, he's not been – he's not accurate, I don't think, anyway, but especially inaccurate when the game matters the most. I have no interest in taking Tennessee in this game because they're just kind of uh, – you know, he's mentioned the road things and I mentioned the Simmons thing. I think the one thing to pay attention to – uh, at least going future, uh, going ahead, the looking ahead future is that is, is Ty J Spears kind of taking some a lot of time, maybe a lot of time away from Derrick Henry. If you uh, if you're a defense right now, I think you almost would prefer that Henry be carrying the ball against you. So early in the week, the 49ers were minus five, the Browns plus five, over under sitting at 38 and a half. Then the news has come out that there is no Deshaun Watson. Uh, P.J. Walker will be getting the start instead. The line is now nine and a half. Browns plus nine and a half. The over-under at 35 and a half. You also pointed out weather concerns, too, for this game. Christian McCaffrey continues to be absolutely unreal. Uh, we'll add yet another statistic to his season here. He's made a first down or touchdown on 32.5% of his touches. P.J. Walker, though, as I mentioned, is getting the start. He has to be an upgrade, though, over DTR, who just seemed overwhelmed in that game against the Ravens a couple of weeks ago here. Can this Browns defense slow down this very, very efficient offense for the 49ers? What's the total in this game? It what is, do we have here? It is now 35 and a half. Wow, that's way too low for me. Uh, it'd be under or nothing, and if that number, that ain't happening. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, San Francisco has won four of its five games by 20 or more points. And they've actually played a couple of good teams to win those games by 20 or more points as opposed to you know, several NFL teams who amazingly have not really played anybody so far yet this season. We'll see. Uh, that will, I assume, even out at some point. Uh, but we'll see uh, how that ends up going. Uh, the one thing I'm not no betting interest in this game. I, I'm, I think the most of the NFL. If you watch this game, you're going to be watching, uh, you know, Trent Williams, the left tackle, and most of the time, I assume, unless the uh, Cleveland changes things up, that Miles Garrett will be right on the other side. And uh, Garrett did practice, returned to practice on Thursday. He was injured in their last game. They had a bye last week. Didn't practice on Wednesday, but he was back out there yesterday. 
Uh, then when it comes to the Commanders and the Falcons here, Commanders plus two and a half, Falcons minus two and a half, over under sitting at 42 and a half. How will the Commanders respond after their embarrassing loss on Thursday night football? Uh, can the Commanders take away Bijan Robinson in the run game here? The Falcons, this is uh, this is quite meager. They have converted on third down 19.4% of the time when it happens to be third and eight or longer. So those first and second downs are so crucial to what the Falcons want to do on offense here. And uh, can the commanders, though, offensive line protect Sam Howell? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Calais Campbell got injured last week and may not play this week. But I think the Atlanta, I mentioned this last week because I was suspicious. Maybe that's the wrong word, but curious. I, th- I thought that Atlanta might have a pretty good defense. And I think they might have a pretty good defense now, too. Uh, so we'll see what's going here. I'm on Atlanta on this side, and uh, I just you know hold my breath every time Desmond Ritter does something. And I know he's at home, Desmond Ritter. I looked into this a little bit. He's really had like one good half at home so far this year, and I don't really give a damn if he's never lost a home start in his NFL or college career at Cincinnati against a bunch of bogus opponents in college. Uh, so I can care less about that. I'm on Atlanta, and I just uh, you know, hope that Ritter doesn't lose the game. A week ago, he was going to get benched, and they had a good game, and now he's going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> There's still rumors there out there, though, that Kirk Cousins is going to Atlanta. But he's never going to approve a trade to Atlanta because their offensive line's not good. He has, you know, he has a no-trade clause, Cousins does. He would get destroyed if he played behind that offensive line. And he's a free agent at the end of the season. He's looking for a contract. He ain't going to Atlanta unless there's just some kind of uh, – uh, can't be a financial in, uh, incentive for him to go there. Why would ever think about going to Atlanta? We will dive into more NFL games on the other side of the break. It is Friday spread here on the Extra Point on KDOS M1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude, Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's not your normal meat market. Crap your wine, spits amazing treat your four-legged friends. Pay them a visit, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, and follow along with more opportunities and uh, food, good food, over at vonhansensmeats.net. Let's continue on with the NFL slate for Sunday, and it's another double-digit game in the NFL. The Panthers and the Dolphins. Panthers plus 14, Dolphins minus 14 over under sitting at 47 and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Devon Achan, uh, injury situation, he's now officially placed on IR, but with no Achan, there's still Raheem Mostert. There should be no problem for this Dolphins offense with the Panthers defense giving up 140.8 yards per game on the ground. The questions here are, can Bryce Young protect the football? And what sort of positives do we have of this Panthers team? 
Okay, I'll be real brief here. First up, I mentioned early in the season there's going to be more double-digit uh, favorites in the history uh, in history of the NFL this year. I think I'm way on pace on that. I mean, it's not going to get any better because there are a lot of really bad teams in this league. Carolina is probably the worst of all these. In fact, I was listening to a fantasy football podcast yesterday, and the host foolishly asked, you know, one of the experts, um, should I consider any uh, offensive players from Carolina and fantasy football this week? And the and the guy answering the question responded by just laughing. <laughs> so that's – and I will say one thing about A-Chan. I do think that his injury situation, and the, especially if it's longer than four weeks, which apparently could be the case – that's going to make a difference down the road because I clearly, uh, well, I like Mostert, but there's a reason Mostert's in his early 30s and has had pro- he's probably staying healthy. Achan just gives them a completely, and you know Mostert's fast, but the Achan is really fast. And if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm much more concerned if Achan's on the field than Mostert. Yeah, if you look at the next-gen stats for, like, top 10 uh, fastest plays this season, I mean, half the Miami Dolphins roster is on that list. But to your point, explosibility, that's not a word, but I'm making it a word. Uh, I love it. It's great. (laughs) I want to use that. Uh, that just like is Achan to to a T with what we've seen through the first five weeks. So you're right. I think they are eventually going to miss him, but not with the Panthers this weekend. The Vikings and the Bears. Vikings uh, plus. Or I'm sorry. The Vikings minus three. Bears plus three. Over under sitting at 43 and a half. Do we suddenly trust this Bears team? The Vikings defense gives up 102.4 rushing yards per game. Justin Jefferson is on IR. That's a favorite target for Kirk. Cousin, so who steps up? Is it rookie Jordan Addison? Uh, I have no idea. And Addison's actually kicked up too, so I'm not even sure he's going to play. I know he had some practice issues this week, so we'll see what's going on with that. I'm not living in Chicago because I'd have to be listening about all this Bears stuff and how bad they are, etc. I don't trust either of these teams, and uh, if I were in a Chicago sports bar, I'd try to watch any other game. We continue with more NFL games on the other side of the break to kickstart our number two of the Extra Point Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We still have the $100 gift certificate on the line available to you coming up in hour number two.